0: Okay. <laughs> Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, January 28th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. A lot to get into as usual, Jay Book. Let's start with this. I find this very intriguing. I know you do as well. There's some talk out there that the Big Ten is kicking around the idea of eliminating divisions, eliminating the East and West eliminating what used to be the legends and leaders. I know they realigned after that, but I I really like this idea. I hope it comes to fruition. Your thoughts on the Big Ten kicking around the idea of not having divisions.
1: Yeah, I really like this idea, Dave. I have not been a a fan of Kevin Warren, but I think this is probably his best idea yet, Um, especially dropping down to eight games and aligning with what the SEC is doing is a big boom in my opinion and then you also throw in the uh agreement with the Pac-12 and the ACC that they're going to be able to start scheduling some of those games so to me I would much rather see an Ohio State versus you know a, a Clemson or Ohio State versus a, a UCLA USC as far as a non-conference out of out of, uh out of conference game instead of a ninth Big 10 game and it's going to be interesting because a lot of people think that it could create a situation where Ohio State could be playing Michigan back to back, and some people that are traditionalists they don't like it. To me, I'm all for it. I'm saying, I'm saying, let's go, baby. Let's let's cut the time in half on how long it's going to take to catch them in the overall series. And I think Ohio State is poised to really uh, handle their business with a no realignment type of Big Ten. I'm sure they're going to have their protect their rivalries where you're going to have Ohio State locked in with Michigan and probably Penn State. If you venture over to the Michigan boards, they're complaining. They don't they don't like it because they think that it's going to but it's going to put them in a competitive disadvantage because they have to play Ohio State every year. And you know, you, you hear all the smack talk that came from the Michigan fans after that game. And you know, the thought of them having to play Ohio. Ohio State twice and having to be locked into a hall State every year kind of has them uh, getting spooked and running back to their corners but I like the idea I think it, it'll be fun and it'll create a lot of interesting matchups it just seems
0: overdue I mean I know there's there was always the talk oh everything's cyclical in sports not when you have the three premier programs in the Big Ten all in the same division I mean say what you want about Penn State and Michigan we know Ohio State is the premier program. I mean, if you had to pick the two other premier programs historically going forward, projecting them, maybe not necessarily next season, it would be Penn State and Michigan in whatever order. Those are the top three programs, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and they're all in the same division. Then you have Michigan State also in that division. I, I mean, it's been like, what, like seven, eight years since the West has even won the Big Ten championship game. Um, they've never
1: won it.
0: <laughs> they've oh, never well. won it. There you go. There they, I'm going back. Never...
1: You. There you go. Yeah, um, I was listening to uh, the Big Ten Network uh, driving, and they were talking about it, and they were just saying that there's a major imbalance when it comes to the Big Ten divisions, and the, the Big Ten West has never won a Big Ten championship in any. Um, they, you know, they they've gotten there, and with Wisconsin, numerous times, but outside of that, they've won numerous games and crossover regular season games when when it actually comes to the big 10 championship they've never won and I think if you have a situation to where Ohio State or Michigan is 11-1 uh 12-0 to to me those are the two best teams in the conference let them duke it out for the rights to to hold up that trophy in Indy I mean I'd much rather see a rematch as opposed to a 8-4 and and eight and four Wisconsin or a 9-3 and three Iowa team who was probably third or fourth best in the Big Ten to get another crack at the bat.
0: Switching gears, when you look at Ohio State's schedule, and I guess this isn't switching gears too far, but um, what an interesting schedule. I talked a lot about this on Wednesday's show. Your thoughts on this schedule? This is one of the most intriguing and toughest schedules I can remember for the Buckeyes. Your thoughts overall on the schedule? Jonah, and what do you think is the toughest game for Ohio State? Not necessarily the best team, but what do you think is going to be the toughest game?
1: Yeah, if you look at the schedule, a lot of people believe on paper this is probably one one of the hardest schedules in all of college football. Now, you have to be uh, pretty happy if, if you're a season ticket holder that you're going to get eight home games, which is pretty unheard of that you're going to get that many games in the shoe. But you have a, you have a kind of a, a tricky... Uh, roadblock whenever you have Michigan State, Iowa, and Penn State, all three, and then a the Northwestern team right after Penn State. The good news is you have Michigan State October 8th, and then you have a bye week before you hit that Iowa-Penn State gauntlet. So I would say probably the Penn State game um, at Penn State will probably probably be the hardest game. I'm sure it's going to be a whiteout at night coming after – Uh, a hard-hitting affair against Iowa, that's always going to be a sledgehammer game. But the sneaky game that's not going to be easy is the opening game against Notre Dame. Usually these big-time games, Ohio State, tend to have a little bit of trouble with You're breaking in a brand-new defense. I don't know how sophisticated they're going to be out the gates with Jim Knowles' defense. A lot of Oklahoma State players have said it's a very hard defense to learn, so hopefully those guys are going to be up to speed. I'm pretty sure the offense, they will be humming, but Notre Dame, they're going to make it tough. It's not going to be a, a situation where Ohio State completely blows their doors off. Uh, I would be surprised. Um, I think the offense has the potential, but I just think that there's going to be a couple of hiccups with the defense early on until they really get comfortable with what they're trying to do.
0: There's no doubt that's not going to be an easy game. Buckeye fans can say, "Oh, Marcus Freeman starting his career off 0 and 2." You know, filling jokes here. Buckeyes have had their way with Notre Dame my entire life, 4 and 0 in the four games in our lifetime, and none of those games have been close, but. That will be a tough game. Michigan will be a tough game. There'll be other tough games. Wisconsin, Iowa, Maryland could be a tough game. You know what I think is the toughest game, as I said on Wednesday's show? I think at Penn State is the toughest game. I don't think Penn State is even maybe in the top three of the best teams Ohio State will play. I mean, they're maybe right there, third or fourth best, but because of the atmosphere, I have no doubt it hasn't been announced yet. But as you know, I have no doubt this is going to be a night game, wide out conditions. And they look at Ohio State as their main rival. I just feel like, Jay Book, that's going to be the toughest game on the slate for Ohio State.
1: Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, for whatever reason, Ohio State at Penn State is always a night game, and then it's kind of a coin toss if the uh, night if it's going to be a night game back in the shoot. But Penn State, they always play Ohio State tough. It's going to be uh, an environment to where it's going to make it really hard for the offense to hear. If Ohio State goes into that game, Undefeated, which I think they will. Um, if you look at Penn State's schedule, I would not be surprised if they are a top 10 team going into that matchup as well.
0: All right. So let's talk about our buddies up north at Michigan. Looks like Mike McDonald is leaving Michigan to be the defensive coordinator with the Ravens. This just leads more credence, in my opinion, Jay Book, to the idea that Jim Harbaugh is going to go to the NFL. Now, your Raiders have not made a decision yet. Jobs are starting to fill up now, but Mike McDonald going back to the Ravens as DC leads me to believe Jim Harbaugh could be out the door. Your thoughts on all of that?
1: Yeah, I was joking on Twitter this week and I said, uh, oh, brother John called Jim and was like, yeah, about that. I'm going to need my toilet. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Jim Jim Harbaugh likes to joke and say, hey, Ryan Day was born on third base. Talk about privilege where your brother can loan you uh, your defensive coordinator (laughs) for the years. and and bring him back, but it's a big blow to Michigan. He was a young guy. You and I talked about him. He was, you know, their version of Jeff Halfley. He was a guy that really um, installed an NFL type of defense. They switched it up from a 4-3 to a 3-4, and he really had those guys playing at a high level for him to leave like that after one year. I don't know if it means Jim's going to go to the NFL. It's been kind of quiet on the Raiders front there, it's been known for some time that he's had uh, a contract in hand for Michigan for quite a bit of time. If he's so committed to Michigan, my question is how come he hasn't signed that contract yet? You're going into the next signing day come next week and it's kind of still up in the air. Is Jim going to be there or not? You know, some people say him hiring the defensive line coach from Notre Dame is an indication that he's going to stay. So there's a lot of mixed signals out there. Uh, But, I just think it's a situation where people are looking at Michigan and think Jim has hit a ceiling there. They're losing a lot of talent. Um, their recruiting is okay. It's not necessarily on the, on par with Ohio State or being a national type of contender. I just think that this was their year. This was his best shot. They got Ohio State when Ohio State um, wasn't operating like they, should, like they should have up front especially on defense in bad weather. Um, I'm not going to make any excuses. They got the win, but I just think that the sun shines on the dog's butt every once in a while. And that was Jim Harbaugh's peak at Michigan.
0: We bounce around a lot on the Bucknuts morning five. And you know we try to hit the, a lot of topics, a lot of interesting topics. I want to finish the show talking about Ohio state's offensive line going into next season. We'll start with our projection for the starting offensive line. I'll go first. I think it's going to be from left to right. So from left tackle to right tackle, I think Paris Johnson Jr., left tackle, Matt Jones, left guard, Luke Whippler, center. I'm going Donovan Jackson at right guard. I know Harry Miller is going to be in the mix at center and guard. I also think Josh Fryer is going to be in the mix um, for a starting spot. If Josh Fryer is not a starter, he will be a top backup. Same thing with Enoch Vamahi. And then at right guard or at right tackle, excuse me, of course uh Dewan Jones. And those are my starters. Paris Johnson, Matt Jones, Luke Whippler, Donovan Jackson, Dewan Jones. What do you think, Jay Book?
1: I agree with you. That that's who I have pegged as being the starters um on the offensive line. And if you look at that O-line, what makes me so excited is that we're actually going to be having guards in there. I really thought that the <laughs> offensive line operated much better when Matt Jones was in there. He's a true bulldog in there. You get Donovan Jackson in there, another five-star guy, and you're just going to get guys who are going to be able to just fire off the football. Bulldogs and bulldog some, some guys when it comes to the run game and that's what we were really missing I think Justin Fry is going to be a major upgrade when it comes to developing the offensive line and getting the most out of his guys I thought down the later the later stretch of Studs career they started to get a little lazy there and if he can really push um, those tackles there and and get and get their footwork and their technique better, it has the potential to be a really, really good offensive line because I think what you're looking at as far as the body types fit, what you're trying to do as a traditional offensive line, and you compare that with the talent that you have because you know you got a couple five-stars on that offensive line, but they just need to play with a, with a nastier attitude, and I think you're going to be able to get that out of Justin Fry pushing them. Yeah, I was just going
0: to ask you about that. Let me ask you one follow up question before we get you out of here, Justin Fry. I mean, you touched on this, but just elaborate on that. Like, what other than recruiting? We'll put a cr- recruiting aside for a moment. There was some some you know, a lot of criticisms about Stud as a recruiter. Although, I mean, he, he landed Paris Johnson Jr. and as Monica Daniels, Monica is Paris Johnson Jr.'s mom, has said on the Bucknuts Morning Five, if not for Stud, they might not be at Ohio State right now. Now she likes Justin Fry as well. Um, so stud, you know, maybe he got a little too much flack in recruiting, but let's put that aside for a second, just as an O-line coach, what do you think Justin Fry can add to this team that maybe that stud couldn't,
1: I think it's motivation, getting his guys to play with a much nastier street. I mean, I thought the offensive line was soft at times, uh, under stud, especially this past year, you look at that Michigan game, especially and uh, guys were getting their butts whooped. And that's an indictment on stud not being able to run the football is an indictment on him. How many times did we watch the games this year? where Ryan day just completely abandoned the run game. I mean, you have a star studded home run hitting running back and Travion Henderson. And there were times where he was getting two yards of pop, three yards of pop. And he was just getting completely bottled up. Whenever you face a defensive line that was able to match the intensity, you look at, uh, the Oregon game, the Nebraska game, and the Michigan game. Henderson was getting bottled up because the defensive line they were whooping our offensive line's tail up front, and I think that is going to be a change. I know Ryan Day had been he's been high on Justin Fry. There's been a lot of uh, rumors out there that he wanted he made a play for him a couple years ago, but wasn't able to land him. Circle back around, took another swing at the bat. He was able to get his guys, so he's very high on Justin Fry. The expectations are going to be high for him. I mean, Ohio State fans—they're very knowledgeable. They know what they're—they know what they're looking at. They trust their eyes, and no one is above board in criticism. And so, Justin Fry—he's going to have to come in here, you know, off and running because you look at this Ohio State football team—they're starting pretty much number two in the preseason polls two or three behind Alabama, Georgia, you you know, you can flip flop on how you see fit, but there there's national championship expectations and it all starts up front because you have a Heisman caliber quarterback. You have a home run hitting, um, running back. You see what you have at the wide receivers, which they're going to be immensely talented. So it's going to be up to that offensive line to really bring it all home. Great stuff as
0: always from Jonah Booker. Really appreciate it. Jay book. Thank you to Jay Book. Thank you to all of the listeners out there for tuning into the show. We appreciate that very much. Again, if you like the show, subscribe, like, leave us a nice review, leave us a five star rating. All of that helps. Thanks again to Jay Book. Thanks again to all of you. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Let's hear that fuck swag, best damn band in the land.